Father, we do pray for the anointing of your spirit, enabling us to receive your word. Would you anoint me to speak clearly and simply? Would you open our hearts to receive your word and make us more like Jesus? In his name we pray. Amen. So there was this guy, actually several guys, that made some pretty bad choices, pretty foolish choices. But rather than me describing these choices, I thought I would show them to you. So let's look at the slides here. Here's the first really bad decision. Men and ladders don't do well together. Next slide. Next one. Yeah, that's a good idea. Next one. Okay. Next one. If you'll notice, he's under there, right? Working on it. All right, next one. All right, one more. Actually, you got to look at both those photos to see where he's at. It must really be dirty. Now, who thought of this as a good idea? Hey, it's hot out. We need some shade. I hope the hydraulics work well on this. Well, anyways, these, all these photos are actually uh, under the title, Why Women Tend to Live Longer Than Men. You know, foolish choices can make for a bad future, and wise choices can make for a good future. The Bible is very clear about that. And this morning, I want to talk to you about some more choices that we can make, wise choices that will be far better for our future here on earth and forever. And I want to jump right into something that Jesus taught that I think is one of those passages we read over and we really don't pay attention to what's being said here. But if you ever wonder why some people seem to have more spiritual authority, more spiritual uh, responsibility, and more spiritual power than other people, and Jesus tells us why. Let's look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12. This is Jesus speaking here, and he says this, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, listen to this, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So Jesus says that his listeners, us included here, have been entrusted with someone else's property. And that they should be, they should prove themselves trustworthy with this property because it belongs to someone else. And that they, including us, are managing someone else's property. We're managing something for the owner. The Bible is very clear that uh, none of us really own anything. We're all simply managers. That God is actually the owner of everything. Your house, God owns it. You manage it. Your car, God owns it. 
you manage it. Your money is all God's. All of it, every penny is God's. But you manage it. So God is looking at how we manage. He's paying attention to what kind of managers we are. How do we manage the things that are his? How do we steward his stuff? How do we handle the money that really is his? Now, if you have a, you know, a financial planner, and he's a good financial planner, the first question he will ask you is, what are your financial goals? Because he realizes that he, he is working for you with, for your money, and your money is the money being invested. It's not his money. So if that financial planner takes the money that you're investing and he goes on a cruise with it, then you probably got the wrong financial planner. You didn't give him your money for him to spend it on himself. You gave it for him to invest for your profit. And that's how God sees what we have. That we have been given money to manage, but it all belongs to him. And we're supposed to manage it, all of it, all of our stuff. We're supposed to steward it in such a way that we bring him a profit. And Jesus says there is something called true riches in the passage we just read, something called true riches. And the pathway to being entrusted with these true riches in the future is that we steward God's stuff well now. So financial blessings that are stewarded properly by each one of us will somehow cause us to get true riches. Now, what are the true riches? Well, Jesus is talking about responsibility here. He says that if we are responsible with our money, or responsible with his money, responsible with our stuff, which is really his stuff, then we will be entrusted with true riches, which is another area of responsibility. What kind of responsibility is he talking about? He's talking about spiritual responsibility. Now, you're thinking, well, how can I become a better manager of my stuff? How can I better become a better steward of money? Well, that's why one of the reasons why we offer Financial Peace University here, and I, and my, I wish every one of you would take it. Everyone here, everyone online would take this class, help you steward your stuff, you really help you handle your money as a good manager. And we offer this class free of charge to you. We pay for it so you can take it. So if you hadn't taken it, I urge you to take it. But we're responsible for hit with God's money. And if we, were, if we are responsible with it, then he will entrust greater responsibility to us. What kind of greater responsibility? It's spiritual. Greater spiritual authority, greater spiritual responsibility, and greater spiritual power is entrusted to those who have been found trustworthy with our stuff. And we're investing our stuff, which is really his stuff, for his profit. So these are the true riches that Jesus is talking about. Greater spiritual authority, greater spiritual responsibility, and greater spiritual power in the kingdom of God. Many years ago, Dr. Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusade for Christ, which now goes under the name Crew, which is making an impact around the world, I, I think that few people, after the Apostle Paul, have made as great an impact on the earth for the cause of Christ and Dr. Bill Bright, who's in heaven now, 
But he was awarded by the Queen of England, he was awarded the Templeton Prize for Progress in Religion. The Queen gives him this special prize, and part of it is a $1.1 million check. And he does something with it that's really interesting. As he takes the check, he turns it over, he endorses it, and gives it into a ministry to reach lost people. I thought about that. I thought about that's kind of how he's lived lived his life. He always was thinking about how to manage God's money for God's profit. And so it isn't surprising that he had such great spiritual authority in the kingdom of God. True riches. So the first thing we need to understand, if if I steward my stuff, which is really God's stuff, well, then I'll be entrusted with greater spiritual responsibility spiritual authority, spiritual power, spiritual responsibility. So I get, I get blessed spiritually if I handle my money well, or really his money well. So that's the first blessing I want you to think about. So if you want to have, if you want to have more spiritual blessing in your life, then handle and steward your stuff, which is really his stuff, for his profit well. There's a second blessing, that if I really am going to steward my stuff well, or his stuff, then I'll also be blessed financially. In fact, the best way to be financially secure is actually to be generous with the money that you're managing for the profit of the Lord. There's a passage that some of you are familiar with and some of you aren't, but I want to go through it again. It's Malachi chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And it says this, starting verse 7, God is speaking here through the prophet Malachi. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? You're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that... There may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, God tells this people in this passage that we just read, He tells them that they're robbing him. Now, it's important to point out, God doesn't need their money. This really isn't so much about money. It's about how they're treating God so disrespectfully. See, their lack of giving actually is communicating to God that they don't really value him very much. So let me just kind of back up and give you a little context to this whole passage here. Hundreds of years before this passage was written, In Malachi's days, God actually spelled out real simply to his people how they're supposed to handle his money. Here's the guidelines. He gives in the Old Testament, and I'll just summarize them for you. The guidelines on how you're to handle money, he gave to these people hundreds of years earlier and gives them to us. First guideline is earn money ethically. You earn it, you can earn it with no schemes, no corruption, no backdoor deals. Earn it honestly. Earn as much as you you want, but earn it ethically. Secondly, spend it wisely. Spend it 
not foolishly, not carelessly, wisely. Avoid, avoid destructive debt and save money consistently for your future. Give money to the poor generously. And then the third thing he says, and he, pra- he established this practice he calls tithing. The word tithe simply means a tenth part. And here's and basically saying this. Here's the idea. God set it up, real simple math, that everybody that's part of his kingdom is, just simply does this. They take 10% of all that come their way, that they're blessed with, every, every avenue, every stream every, of revenue, they take 10% and they bring it to the place of worship so the ministry of God will be done. That's the plan. That's God's plan. It's not some evangelist's plan, some pastor's plan. It's God's plan. That's how he planned it to work, real simple. And at one point in history, the people were doing it. And when they did it, everybody won. Everybody won. The people themselves won because they're walking under an open heaven being blessed by God. They're not, you know, they're, so they're being blessed financially. God won because he's being honored. And then the temple ministries won because they are a resource to be able to impact their communities. So everybody won. But then we get to Malachi's day and the standard of financial excellence really fell and fell hard. And in spite of being taught what they're supposed to do with their money and honoring God with their resources, what they did is they started to hold back. And they had their reasons. I mean, you know, there was financial hardship. They had all kinds of reasons why they started to uh, make their own rules, so to speak, about giving and not follow God's rules anymore. And as a result of holding back, they actually were not being blessed by God. They were being, you know, they were being blessed less, and so they had even more financial problems. And they didn't understand why, and God finally tells them why. God explains that he's the one who put the hole in their pocket. He's the one who put their hole in their purse, their hole in their wallet. He did it. He, he's the one who did it. And by the way, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, where it seems like every pay raise and every bonus and every gift just goes away. What happened to it? Well, typically, you know, a lot of times it's because God put a hole in your pocket. Metaphorically, God put a hole in your purse, in your, wall, in your wallet, whatever it is, and you're not being blessed because we're not honoring God. This happens, this, happened through, this happened throughout the ages. And so God is explaining to them now that uh, no matter what the economy does, he must be honored. No matter what the price of gas is, he, he still expects to be honored. This is what God is saying. He's serious about how he's treated. And then he says, and if we do, if we do, he says, then I will let you walk under an open heaven and I'll pour out blessings until they overflow in your life. Now, anytime you hear this passage, particularly if you hear it for the very first time, you think, wait a second, God, I can't make 100% work and you're telling me to live off 90%. How does that work? Well, that's why God says in this passage, and it's the only time he says it in the Old Testament, He says, test me and see if I don't do this. Test me and see if I don't keep my end of the bargain. Test me and see if I don't cause blessing to come on your life till it overflows. And I tell you, every time I've ever spoken on this passage, I'll have people come up to me after the service and they'll say something like, you know, uh, I heard you preaching this for a few years before I finally decided to start doing it. And and, and when I did it, I I went to work Monday and I got promoted. Wasn't expecting that. Then I also have people say, you know, I did it, and it took me like six months of hanging in there before I saw God turn the tide. But the deal is here, the deal is God says, test me, try me. You see what I'll do. God says, I will come through, but you've got to trust me. And so that's the second way we're blessed. The first way we're blessed, if we will steward our stuff right for God's profit and give generously, is that we will 
be blessed spiritually, spiritual responsibility, spiritual authority, spiritual power. Secondly, we'll be blessed financially. We'll walk under an open heaven. Third way. The third way that God promises to bless us is physically. It'll make a difference in our health. That's what the Bible teaches. Let's look at this. Psalm 41, verse 1 through 3. How blessed is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive. And he shall be called blessed upon the earth. And do not give him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to health. Now, I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen. In fact, I, just, I was thinking about when I walked in this morning and saw Jose Iglesias back there in the back who does our Mexico ministry, who's now, are you 80 now, Jose? Is it 80 years old? And so this, uh, I, I, me and Jose have put thousands of miles together down in Mexico taking care of the, of the poor and the helpless. I don't know of anybody, I don't personally know anybody that has done more for the helpless than Jose. And there's been so many times recently even that Jose's been sick with heart issues and diabetes issues, and he's in a sick bed and God raises him up. And I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because of the passage I just read, that God will raise up the one who cares for the helpless off his sickbed. Now you're thinking, but what about the times that someone very godly has, has passed away? I would say that's an exception to the rule. Sometimes God will do an exception to the rule for a higher purpose. But the rule is, the rule is, those who consider the helpless, those who are generous, God will raise them off their sickbed. That is the rule. It will make a difference in our health. So we're blessed spiritually if we steward our stuff. We're blessed financially. We are blessed physically. But it doesn't even stop there. There's more. We're also blessed emotionally. Proverbs 14.21 says, Happy is he who is gracious to the poor. Happy is he who is gracious to the poor. I'll tell you the happiest Christmas Eve day I ever had in my life was with Jose and Roger and another brother, myself. We're down in deep into Mexico, and we went all the way to Christmas Day in these poor, the poorest villages way off the beaten path, providing food and blankets. It was, it was very cold and Bibles and to villages. And we came back. We had, you know, for three days of not showering. We were dirty. We slept on the floor. We slept on the dirt. And we came back on Christmas Day, and it was just a horrible, and it was just wonderful. And there's a happiness that comes when we live this kind of life. There's a happiness that comes with generosity. In fact, there's another verse that says, Acts 20, verse 35, the Apostle Paul is talking about what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than receive. That word blessed is also translated happy. Happier is he who gives than receives. Our children, as they're growing up, had a very, very generous grandmother who bought them those back when Beanie Babies were very popular, little stuffed Beanie Baby uh, dolls. And so she bought them so many that they, they were in their rooms and they had tons of them. And we had a family meeting, and they decided they wanted to give Beanie Babies to, away to every child at Cook's Hospital, Children's Hospital in Fort Worth. So we called the hospital. We arranged, they arranged a room for us. They brought all their Beanie Babies in. They set them up, and every child that could leave their room came and picked out the Beanie Baby they wanted. 
And the ones that couldn't, they went to the, each room and they let the children pick out which one they wanted. And we had enough Beanie Babies for every child at Cook's Children's Hospital. And when we got in our little minivan to come home, they were so happy. The happiest children were not the children in the hospital, but the children that just got, got to give. Because it's more blessed to give. Happier is he who gives than he who receives. And so we are blessed spiritually if we steward our stuff in 2023. We are blessed financially. We are blessed, you know, physically, healthy-wise. We are blessed emotionally, happier. And there's one more. We're blessed eternally. Eternally. In fact, God's greatest rewards are eternal rewards. So I want to read a passage here, which, which, when, which I think most Christians uh, have never really stopped to pay attention to what it means because it's a hard passage. But I want to explain what it means, but it's real important that you understand this passage. It has to do with our welcome into heaven. I don't know what kind of welcome you want, but you, it determine, your welcome into heaven will be determined by your generosity on the earth. Let me explain. Let's read what Jesus says in Luke 16, verse 1 through 9. Jesus tells a parable. Here it is. There was a certain rich man who had a steward. It's a manager. And this steward was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. You're about to be fired. And the steward said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the stewardship, in other words, while I still have got it, a little bit of time left, I know what I'll do. So they will receive me into their homes. So he summoned each one of his master's debtors, and he began saying to the first, how much do you owe your master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said, take your bill and write 80. And his master praised the unrighteous steward because he'd acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of mammon or wealth of unrighteousness, that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Okay, that's the story. Now, this story is about a certain steward. And remember, the essence of stewardship is you're managing someone else's money. Something we got to remember. Remember, everything we own, really God owns, we are managers. Now, Jesus commends this dishonest steward for something. What is Jesus commending him for? Jesus commends the servant not for his dishonesty, but for his shrewdness. He was using present opportunities to prepare for future rewards. Let me say that again. That's what's shrewd. He's using present opportunities to prepare for future rewards. So how do we do that today? If we invest in our giving in ministries that are reaching the lost, 
then we can turn their debt to God because they're forgiven when they know Jesus. We can turn their debt to God into debts of gratitude toward us. People in this world owe God a debt that they cannot repay, a sin debt. They've sinned against a holy God and they need forgiveness. We can use God's money to invest into ministries that preach the gospel here and around the world. When they hear the gospel, they turn to Jesus, they're forgiven of their debt, and now there's a debt of gratitude toward those who invested into them coming to know Christ. By the way, if another class, if you haven't taken a perspectives class, learning about world missions, I, I already had a master's degree in theology and took the missions as seminary, and then I took perspectives class after all that, and I thought, where have you been all my life? That class was so superior to anything I'd been taught in the area of missions, and, and it, you don't just take it if you think you're going to be a missionary. Take it because you want to be a world Christian. You want to think as a world Christian. You want to be informed. So I urge you to consider taking that class. But back to Jesus' story. Here's the point of the story. We should invest in ministries that are reaching people with the gospel. And as they do that, we're, we're reducing their spiritual debt. They no longer have a debt to God. They're forgiven of their sins. And when our job is over and it's time for us to go to heaven, then there will be people in heaven that are so grateful because of the ministry that led them to Christ, that they're waiting. They're, they are waiting to welcome you in and thank you for your investment that helped bring them to Christ and they will welcome you into heaven. I want you just to picture that for just a moment because that's what Jesus is talking about. How would you, what would you, I mean, what would it mean to you to have people that forever in heaven, after you welcome in, introduce you as, here's the guy or the gal that invested into the church from Ventureland where I came to Christ or invested into you know, a missionary who the church sent who led me to Christ. This is the person who invested and I came to Christ and I'm here because of their investment. That's the kind of stuff that's going to go on. There's going to be a huge welcome by so many whose debt was relieved, their debt of sin because they came to know Christ because of your investment and they can't wait for you to get there and welcome you in to heaven. I experienced that personally. I came to faith through the ministry that Dr. Bill Bright started, Campus Crusade for Christ, as a college student. And in 1996, I worked with him for a, a project here in the Metroplex, you know, particularly in Arlington, and I spent three days with him. And the first thing I wanted to do, I mean, I'd met him before, but I'd never spent that much time with him. I just wanted to hug him. I just wanted to hug him. I mean, it was, it was his ministry that led me to Christ, but I, I had this sense of debt for, what he had, for his investment into me, and I just wanted to hug him. Well, that's kind of what's going to happen. There's going to be people that because of your giving, your investment, who came to Christ through ministry that were sent out from this church, that are going to be waiting at heaven's gate for you to come and welcome you in. And they can't wait. They're thrilled about it. There's a story I read about this missionary couple that had served many years uh, in, a, in another country, and they were finally coming home. They were retiring. They'd gotten too old to, to be able to do much physically, and they fl- flew home. And when they landed, there was, a, there was this big celebration. A band was playing, welcome home. 
And at first I thought that was for them, and then they realized there was a politician on the plane who was getting off the plane ahead of them, and it was for him. And the wife said to the husband, she said, that would have been nice if that would have been our welcome home. And her husband said, it will be one day, but we're not home yet. See, not everyone is going to be welcomed into heaven the same way. So what kind of welcome do you want? It's, you know, it's going to be as we invest and give, it determines our welcome into heaven. A second one, a second way that we uh, will be blessed in heaven by what we give on earth is our house in heaven. John 14, verse 2, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I want you to think about that a minute. The one who is the architect of the universe, who knows how to build, has gone to prepare a place for you. He knows everything you like. He knows all your desires. He knows all your interests. He knows everything that would make you happy. He went to build a house for you. And what kind of house will you get in heaven? Well, the best house possible. And part of our giving right now is investing into our eternity, even the kind of house that we will have. Also, our treasures in heaven. Jesus teaches that we will have treasures in heaven. In Matthew 19, 21, Jesus tells this rich young ruler, he says, go ahead and sell your possessions, give to the poor, come follow me. And he says, and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, the rich young ruler preferred treasure on earth, and he wouldn't follow Jesus. But the whole point of this passage is Jesus makes it clear that there is something called treasure in heaven. In fact, Peter hears Jesus tell the rich young ruler this, and Peter, after they get away, Peter asks Jesus, well, we left everything for you. What's in it for us? And Jesus tells Peter, he says, you will be blessed a hundredfold. A hundredfold. Do you know what a hundredfold is? A hundred times everything that you gave, everything you sacrificed, a hundred times that will be what's waiting for you. You know what that is? That's 10,000% interest. How many of you would like a checking account, I mean, savings account with 10,000% interest? That is what we do. Every time we invest into the kingdom, every time we give, every time we steward our stuff for his profit, 10,000% interest and our treasure in heaven. Now, we don't know for sure how treasure in heaven works, but we do know it's valuable, and we'll be glad we have it when we get there. And Jesus said this, too, in Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven, and if you don't do it, no one else can do it for you. The only way you'll have treasure in heaven is if you lay it up. In Luke 12, Jesus calls the man who didn't lay up treasures for himself in heaven, he calls him a fool. And think about that. How foolish would it be to know that I can have treasures forever by being a giver right now, living generously, tithing, and stirring my stuff for the glory of God? How much of a fool would it be to know that and then not do it? Jesus calls that person a fool. Last one. Jesus also says it will affect our job in heaven. Steward our stuff, be generous givers, our job in heaven. And I won't go through the passage, but Jesus talks about stewards who are entrusted with a certain amount of money as the master went away, and then master comes back and asks how much profit they got him. And then he says, you are faithful with these 
five things, you're over five cities. You're faithful with ten things, you're not over ten cities. You're faithful with these things, you're not over many things. There are, we are actually going to be given certain responsibility in the kingdom to come based on how responsible we are now with our stuff, which is really his stuff. So back to Luke 16 as we close. Jesus basically said, manage what is not yours here, and you will get what is yours there. So God gives us so, so many incentives. So as we start 2023, I don't know... You know, have you thought through your finances and you thought through how you're going to manage your stuff for the glory of God? But here's all these incentives. It will make, he says he'll make you financially secure if you do. You'll be healthier. You'll be happier. You'll increase your spiritual responsibility, authority right now. And then later on, it'll impact your welcome into heaven, your house in heaven, your treasures in heaven, and your job in heaven. Now, how can anyone know all that and say, no, I'm not going to do it? I'm just not going to do it. I'll tell you, there's two reasons why you can hear all that and not do it. First reason is unbelief. You just don't believe the word of God. The second reason is your finances are in such a mess. You can't get your arms around them. Again, that's why we offer Financial Peace University to help you get those things sorted out so you can live the kind of life you really want to live. If you haven't taken Financial Peace University, I urge you to take it. You'd be so glad that you did. You want to give yourself a pay raise in 2023? Take that class. You'll, get yourself, you'll be giving yourself a pay raise. And you also learn how to manage your money, which is really his money, for his glory and honor, and then receive all those blessings that are going to flow down on you because you learned to do it. Let's stand for prayer. Just close your eyes if you wouldn't bow your head for a moment. Just between you and God, what is your commitment? What is your commitment to how you want to live in 2023 as a steward? Just talk to God about it for just a minute. What is it? What will be different? Because of his word, his promises. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all the blessings you promise. Lord, I just, we just pray for the grace, Lord, to now really make decisions that line up with your word. Lord, help us, those who get our finances are really a mess. Lord, we just pray you'd help us get all those things in order and that we could live the kind of life we really do want to live for your glory and honor.